To listen to Memory Card episodes early and ad-free, consider supporting the show via Patreon at patreon.com memcard. Hey, video game fans. I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Push Dustin. And this is Memory Card. Hello? Hello? Bring... Are you just gonna do different phone noises? Is that the, is that the whole bit here? Bring. I'm picking. I'm picking up the phone. Hello. Hello. Uh, are Are you a video game fan? <laughs> yeah. It's yes. I am. Who's Who's calling? I'm Bush Dustin <laughs> from Japan. Yes. Uh, this is actually costing. This is actually costing us like five dollars per minute. Wow. There's some terrible rates, but I guess they're decent for being international. Yeah, things really went downhill once I AT and T became the a monopoly. <laughs> did, did you uh, <laughs> did you need something? Yeah, is your refrigerator running? You know what? It's it's not. Okay. You uh you really you really saved me on the electric bill there because and all my food was going bad. So now I'm I'm gonna get it out here. Uh, thank you so much. I saved you on the electric bill. I, th- I think I cost you more money by having you plug it back in. Oh no! Wait, yeah. Oh, you saved. Uh, you saved all my food though from going bad. Yeah, I'm it glad. Was, uh, it was slowly rotting. Good. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. How did you know? How did you know all the way from Japan that my uh, my refrigerator had stopped? I just I wanted to find an excuse to hear your voice, and that's why I called you on this mobile phone, because. I really want to talk about mobile phones. Oh, I see. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. It's very, lo- very logical. Do you know why I want to talk about phones today, Ben? Hold on, I got another call coming in. Okay. All right. Sorry. I had to put you on hold. All right. I'm back. Uh, so what is, what is this about mobile phones? So like before a memory card, we talked about early online gaming, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we haven't really talked about early handheld online gaming. This is true. So I thought this is uh, something that we should talk about. And that's why I called you. Oh, okay. I didn't realize we were still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that bit uh well what if i told you that there was a early online system for the game boy whoa which game boy though i guess is the real question the uh original game boy line oh like game boy game boy color game boy pocket yeah and it could be also um on the game boy advance as well so pretty much all of them yeah and did you know that this was actually a collaboration between nintendo and another company so i thought it'd be kind of fun to ask you what company do you think collaborated with nintendo on this is this a- it's it's a company that they haven't collaborated with in the past for their online service so it's not was it Randnet? it's not it's not Randnet. it's none of those okay it is a completely different company is it a company that you think i actually know is a company that you 100 percent know it is a major japanese company and they are represented in Smash. Okay. Konami. It is Konami. Yes. 
I feel like I remember wow. reading that. <laughs> so yeah, Nintendo and Konami they came together and they formed this company called Mobile Twenty One. Nice. Because for some reason, every time I I talk about Japanese gaming uh, history, I always have to talk about how they created a whole new company for this side project that did not last. So Nintendo and Mobile Twenty One they released this Game Boy mobile adapter. It was first released on January 27, 2001. It was sold for 5,800 yen. It's about like $58 using the rough currency exchange. So that's quite expensive for a Game Boy add-on. Yeah, like a Game Boy game was like around like 3,000 or 4,000 yen. It was just an add-on. It didn't come with any games. The first game to actually support the mobile Game Boy uh, adapter actually came out before the whole uh, accessory came out, and that was Pokemon Crystal. Oh, right, right, right. So Pokemon Crystal was released a full month before, and that's because the adapter actually got delayed. Oh, yeah, because you can't delay Pokemon. Yeah, you can't delay Pokemon. There's, there's way too many things tied to it. Not at that point, at least. I mean, Pokemon's big, obviously, like these days, but Pokemon Crystal, that was right at the end of the second generation. I mean, that was like prime Pokemon. I think that uh, Pokemon Crystal was a Game Boy Color, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. It was the one that came right after Gold and Silver. It was like the third entry. Rewinding a little bit, in 1999, uh, September 2nd, that's actually when Nintendo and Konami announced this joint venture. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read a part of their uh, translated press release. The video game industry is currently searching for a way to break out of the rut of games due to the exhaustion of ideas. And the two companies will promote the following development paths in order to revitalize the industry. Nintendo will release a special adapter to connect to the Game Boy Color to cell phones and PHS in April 2000. So, not a full year, but like, wow, quite, quite a while. So they missed the mark. And the joint venture will <laughs> simultaneously release a new field of software called Game Boy Plus Communication Games to support this adapter. They go on to say that the Game Boy Advance will also be able to connect to the internet, chat over the internet, play communication games, as shown in the attached sheet. In addition, a special camera. Uh, users can enjoy playing games while seeing each other's faces. So this is really, like, ambitious ideas. Right. I feel like some of these did not come to be. They did not. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, this is really interesting. The joint venture company will also develop innovative game software for the next generation home video game console, Dolphin, tentative name, which will be developed through this partnership between Nintendo and Mitsushita Electric Industrial Co. But not Konami? Yeah, for some reason, not Konami. They had ambitious plans for the Game Boy Advance, the Game Boy and the Game Boy Advance. And then they also had plans for the GameCube to go online. Oh, right. And, like, we would see, like, the, uh, the GameCube go online with a couple of games. Like, there was a, what, Fantasy Star Online 1 and 2, and I think a game called Homeland in Japan. Right. The one that uses that massively long controller that everyone loves. Oh, that was Fantasy Star Online in particular, I think. Right, right. Yeah. 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 I'm just saying, those games tend yeah. to use that because you needed the, the, the keyboard. keyboard to <laughs> talk to people. or <laughs> Yeah. Important gaming things. Yeah. So, was that article that you just read was that the first time that's ever been translated into english as far as you know uh yes a memory card exclusive yeah i also was looking at the mobile 21 recruitment page which was posted shortly after this um press release went out because you know they had to fill up 
positions at the company. This is what they wrote on it. We want people to, who are willing to take on challenges in uncharted territory to join us. Why don't you join us in our new company? Definitely, um, both Konami, I mean, everyone involved, Konami, Mobile 21, Nintendo, they all had these grand ideas that they were going to do some of these amazing things. But as we'll see, some of the technology in the era kind of held, held the back a little bit. Yeah, might, might not have been there just yet. When the mobile Game Boy adapter was actually released, uh, you know, January 27th, mm-hmm. it did come released with a title called Mobile Trainer. But this was actually developed by a company called Missin Link and published by Nintendo. Missin Link is another company that was owned by Danusha. And Danusha was famous for making the Pokemon mini consoles. Pokemon Pikachu, little the little guys. Yeah, but the mini consoles had like just like a couple mini games, like one or two mini games on them, right? Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Did those ever come to America? Maybe they did. I don't think those ever came to America. We'll probably eventually do a memory card episode on those. Probably. Season 700. (laughs) (laughs) Something that's really interesting is that the Missing Link, the company, seems to have only developed the mobile Game Boy adapter and mobile trainer. And like I said, mobile trainer was a kind of a companion software that was just allowed users to access the mobile homepage, the latest news about new titles. And also served as kind of a guide for the service because it can be kind of confusing. So it was, it was kind of like the like all the basics, like email and check your connection and stuff. Yeah, it was it was like check your connection. Um, you could you could send and receive mail from friends and like surf a little bit of the of the web. Like they had like a, a mobile version of Nintendo's website. Oh, nice. But it wasn't super like involved or extensive or anything like that. Something that's really interesting about Mobile Trainer is that apparently in the data for Mobile Trainer, there is information about an unreleased Pokemon game called uh, Pokemon Moss. Moss? Like the plant? Yeah. And um, it has like like graphics and stuff like that. So um, maybe through that connection between um, Danusha, who, like I said, made that Pokemon mini consoles, that there was some sort of data that got ported over or left over or something like that so still don't know what that was for wild and then with um the mobile game boy adapter there's actually three different types of them and they came in different colors so there's the blue yellow and red and there was no difference between them aside from color though right no there was (laughs) oh okay depending on what cell phone you were using would determine what kind of mobile adapter you would have to use because each network had their own way of transmitting data packets. If you had the blue one, that was actually compatible with digital cell phones. The maximum transmission speed was actually 9.6 kilobytes per second. I don't know if that's good or bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's, That's on the lower end of the three. That's the lowest, actually, of the three. Oh, okay. The yellow one was compatible with CDMA one's circuit switching system and uh, could do uh, was compatible with 3G, was mainly used with a Japanese carrier called AU. Then the red one, this was compatible with the PHS and uh, DDI pocket, which is like uh, Wellcom previously, but now it's re- I think it's referred to as Y-Mobile. Uh, these are Japanese carriers. They actually had the fastest speed, which was 32 kilobytes per second. With the mobile Game Boy adapter, you'd have to 
usually get that through your cell phone carrier or if you went to a toy store you would have to like get a specific one and like i said it was uh, over 5000 yen mm-hmm. so yeah you'd have to go to your cell phone carrier in order to get these cables or you go to a, a, a toy store and, and then make sure you pick out the right color and it would just like plug into the bottom of your phone or yeah it would plug into the bottom of your phone and then connect to the um the port where you connect the um link cable link cable you'd have to sign up for a um a plan in order to actually access the mobile game boy adapter oh like a data plan yeah it's like a special data plan and um i believe that was 400 yen about four dollars or just the sign up mm-hmm. yeah and then every minute that the player was connected was 10 yen that could add up fast yeah very very fast and then um various games they had their own additional charges for different services uh which i'll talk about in a bit the mobile uh, game boy adapter when it came out it actually wasn't that popular on july 19 2001 it actually got a price cut to 3800 yen because it was failing to kind of uh, catch on how long was that after when it launched about seven months Oh, okay. So pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah, and it supposedly sold only around eighty thousand units. And um, analysts say that a major issue was that the Game Boy adapter wasn't very kid friendly. You know, it needed a cell phone plan and everything like that. Right. Well, games the the major games that supported it, like Pokemon Crystal, were kind of geared towards a younger audience, and oh. kids don't generally generally didn't own phones back then. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a niche uh market appeal i wonder if they like thought that through before they decided to make it like were they anticipating parents signing their children up through you know i think that's what they were hoping for Mm -hmm. one of the games that came out to support this was actually um mobile golf which was developed by camelot who made the other mario golf games right and um in the commercial for mobile golf it actually is like a father and son playing this game and like talking about like competing in the tournament and being ranked, you know, number 16th in the country or something like that. Hmm. So I think they really envisioned the mobile Game Boy adapter. It's something that the family would enjoy together. Oh, I see. Kind of like pass it around with the cell phone. Yeah. That sound means that we're putting the episode on pause just for a moment so we can briefly explain how you can support Memory Card. If you enjoy our content, you can show your support by leaving positive reviews on your podcasting service of choice. Four or five stars and a few kind words go a long way when it comes to convincing others to give the show a listen. So please do so if you find the time. Spreading the word is also super helpful. If you know anyone who's into gaming or history, or maybe even both, you should consider sharing memory card with them. Every season, we strive to reach a wider audience and you can help. If you're feeling extra supportive, you can head over to patreon.com memcard. Every single one of our patrons gets access to early and ad-free episodes. Higher tiers include bonus episodes, shoutouts, stickers, and more. We certainly hope you'll check it out and consider becoming one of our lovely patrons. Once again, that's patreon.com memcard. Oh yeah, I put my uh, memory card sticker on my phone case. Uh, where'd you put yours? Uh, yeah, I slapped one on my laptop, and I also put one on my skateboard helmet. Wait, you got more than one? Thanks for taking the time to hear us out. Let's get back to the show. I know you can hear me.
Mobile Golf is probably one of the more interesting titles for the Game Boy mobile adapter. It had like RPG elements. You could actually level up your character and like increase the skills. It sounds more like um, Mario Golf Advance Tour than it does the uh, the Game Boy Color version. Yeah. So maybe this was like the stepping stone in between the two. Yeah, and um, there's also different golf clubs you could use and you could get as well by competing in different tournaments. They actually had like a whole Japan-wide um, tournament and that was part of their promotion for the game was uh, the Nintendo uh, Open, they called it. And um, if you won the Nintendo Open, you would get a special golf club. You could also win a Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. That was held for uh, two months after the game's launch. And there was uh, 12 characters in this game. And most, most of them were original characters. Uh, I think some of them appeared in other Mario Golf games. Like, um, my favorite is uh, Bean, which you can see, he, he looks like a kid on top of a horse. <laughs> yes i can see that <laughs> i don't know if the people listening can but <laughs> like his description is that he's still a child but he's a cowboy <laughs> very a perfect mix yeah that's what i put on my resume when i'm applying for jobs <laughs> yeah he practices golf uh, on the ranch every day so says his profile and then even though that this is called mobile golf it actually did feature four nintendo characters mario peach yoshi and Blackie. Blackie's name in English is um Foreman Spike. Yeah, Foreman Spike. So Foreman Spike is uh was kind of like the wild card pick for this game. Even his art has uh him with a bulldozer. Oh right, because you know he's like in construction. Now correct me if I'm wrong, but he first showed up in uh Wrecking Crew, right? Yep, that's right. Which is like a Mario game, but people kind of forget that it exists, I would say. Mm-hmm. The really sad part of mobile golf though is that all the mario characters were dlc oh you had to pay for them you had to pay 10 yen to download one of them that's not that bad yeah it's like 10 cents but the uh that's on top of the service and the paying for per minute to be connected the issue now is that when you go to look for uh versions of mobile golf if you buy it used a lot of copies won't have these characters downloaded and there's no way to download them anymore because the services are stopped. Huh? Never thought of that. I was looking, trying to look up footage of these characters and they all have unique themes in the game. They all have a unique um, music that uh, that's played while they're golfing when they're on the green, uh, trying to, you know, get their ball in the hole. <laughs> you could tell I'm, I'm a sports fanatic <laughs> and and everything like that. So it, it's 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 really sad that you can't actually, if you have a physical copy of this game, you probably won't be able to enjoy the full content. It's interesting because I mean, it's so cheap. I guess maybe they could have, you know, the price is more than you'd think because of the time it takes. But you you wonder why they wouldn't just include them. Yeah. Uh. So you you could actually you you'd pay ten yen for a new character for one round of the Nintendo Open. You'd pay 50 yen, so 50 cents. For a new mini game, you'd pay 10 yen. And for new courses, you'd pay 50 yen. So if you want all the DLC, it's not going to like cost a bunch of money, but it, it does kind of add up. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because I think this is one of the earliest instances of Nintendo doing like paid DLC. Huh, yeah, that's true. 
So if you know anything else that uh, predates mobile golf, please let us know. Just at Ben. Tell him that he's wrong. I think actually Pokemon Crystal had some yep. DLC stuff that you could... Um, it, it might not have been specifically to download, but you would have to pay to get into like different tournaments or um, access like specific items. Yes, but that's not content, right? That's like doing mobile battles mobile trades or doing like i guess the battle tower was kind of yeah and i guess um you could think of it like when you first connected online with pokemon crystal i believe you got some special items so and you had to pay to get online so it's kind of dlc yeah but yeah as far as like hey here's a full character here's a full course uh mobile golf is definitely one of if not the first that i've ever heard of at least Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was um, Mobile Golf. And then um, as we're talking about, Pokemon Crystal also had it. They had um, Pokemon News, which was you'd pay like 200 yen a month. And that would kind of like give you updated rankings on like the best Pokemon. And then you you could also get Mysterious Eggs. Mm-hmm. But those, th- those were actually included in the subscription cost. A really interesting thing was Pokemon Stadium replays. They were like 10 to 20 yen. Uh, they would transfer to Pokemon Stadium 2, and um, you could actually replay final battles in tournaments. Oh, like w- that were on your Game Boy, but are now in 3D on your computer screen. No, no, like uh, like like nationwide tournaments for Pokemon. Oh, I gotcha. You could replay and watch those battles on Pokemon Stadium. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it should be noted that Pokemon Stadium 2 in Japan was just normal Pokemon Stadium everywhere else in the world. Yeah. So that's something that's really cool. The uh, trading and battling with friends, like, when you actually did that, the game would basically just recreate, like, a, a, a link cable connection just between t- two different phones. It would be a peer-to-peer transmission. There was no server involved. And um, anytime you wanted to trade or battle with people, trading and battling was about 10 yen per session. And um, all those, most of the services started on January 27th, uh, once the mobile adapter was released, but except for the stadium replays, which started uh, a month later on February 8th, or actually a couple weeks later, I guess. So they were just kind of rolling things out as they became available online. Mm-hmm. Are there any other games that kind of stick out as being interesting? Yeah, there, there's actually a lot of games. Um, I won't go into too much detail about them. A lot of them use the uh, mobile adapter to just display rankings. Like there's um, a game called X Monopoly, like EX Monopoly. <laughs> uh, the developers Mobile Twenty One and published by uh, Takara. It was a Game Boy Advance game. It, it looks really good, actually. Like the graphics for it are are really well done, and you could pick either a boy, a girl, or an alien as your playable character. And you, you'd go to this Monopoly island and play Monopoly against a bunch of people. So you could finally meet the Monopoly uh, man and take his fortune? I don't know if you, got, if you ever got to play against the Monopoly man. I would hope so. <laughs> that game was also Japan exclusive, I believe. And that game also was uh, Game Boy Advance. Uh, game Boy Mobile Adapter compatible. And like I said, it allowed you to see the rankings. Um, Mario Kart Super Circuit? allowed you to kind of view ghost data of other players and see where you're ranked. There's a game called Doraemon Midori no Wakusei Doki Doki. That game was a RPG game. 
using the mobile adapter would allow you to download additional uh, Doraemon skills, and then also it gave you additional dialogue. A couple of other games had like DLC, like extra campaigns or like characters. It sounds like quite a few games like implemented it decently well, but yeah. I guess if no one's buying the actual thing that lets you get online, <laughs> your the developers are going to just start saying like, what's the point? Why why keep making games that are you know compatible with this if nobody's even going to get that content in the first place? Mm -hmm. There's a, a game that I just started looking into a little bit that looked really, really interesting. It's called Zero Tours, and it was um, developed by Amidio and published by Media Rings. Both companies I've never heard of before. It's kind of like Pokemon, like you battle monsters mm -hmm. and like and dungeons, and you can like I guess like trade items and their data and stuff like that. And with the mobile system system uh, adapter, you could actually um, do like a link cable, but for, uh, over phones. Oh, I see. And then uh, the last game that I want to talk about was uh, Mail Day Cute. <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, also developed by Mobile 21 and published by Konami. Mail Day Cute is a game that no one will ever probably talk about ever again, but I thought it was kind of really cool. This is it. This is the last time, so everyone listen up. <laughs> so it is a game which basically tries to do a like a message in a bottle gimmick where um, you would connect to the internet and you could like write messages and then like other people would get those messages. And then like you could like read those messages and hmm. the game actually had like a story and characters and mini games and stuff like that. And as you read and send more messages and play these mini games, you would unlock more items that you could you could collect and then trade. Now, I assume these are like actually going out online to other people, your messages that you're sending. Yeah, uh, back in the day. Yeah. I wonder if there was any kind of, you know how when you send messages on different services, sometimes they're like block certain terms or oh yeah uh, inappropriate things. I wonder if there was anything in place to actually stop people from, you know, yeah, because sending people can be horrible very, messages, <laughs> very bad online sometimes. Yeah, they can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that was a kind of a cool concept for a game. The characters look very cute. I, I guess, you know, meld it cute. It has to be kind of cute. It seems like an interesting concept, and it's so hard to find footage of this game because it needed the online system to unlock anything. So, have you ever seen a mobile Game Boy adapter, like, in a used game store or anything like that? Or do you know anybody who has one? I know I've seen it in, uh, before. Um, I don't own one personally. I should probably pick one up. I don't think they're, they're that expensive or, like, that rare. Yeah, I wasn't sure. You know how sometimes, like technology gets you know thrown mm -hmm. by the wayside and then later everyone's like wait that was really cool and now everybody wants it you know like like the virtual mm -hmm. boy the virtual boy is not like crazy expensive or collectible but certain games are and people go like kind of wild for it so i wasn't sure if uh this was one of those accessories that like had a big following i think like uh the 64 dd is probably the most expensive accessory add-on that you could get right now the issue with a mobile system is that it's completely unusable right now because all of the network services are no longer working. Like even the DD, at least it had like specific cartridges or, you know, discs that it could play and you could still use them today. Yeah. And I guess like the Statilla view, certain games will be very expensive because they'll be very rare to find. 
Wait, wait. I thought the I thought the satellite view was just completely like via satellite, though. Yes, but that data would be saved on a local cartridge. Oh, right, right, right. So that like it's it's hard to find. Like, um, I know some of the games that were downloaded are very expensive. Right, because those people just happened to have them downloaded, and that's what they ended up with. Mm-hmm. They had the the foresight to download that game or maybe they just never got around to deleting that yeah and so they just happen to have it now if you have a satellaview game please back it up and you can actually um get people to look at it because sometimes data is overwritten but not deleted and so even if you can't actually access the data there might be really cool games on there that people don't even know about have an expert check it out yep and um, I, I guess I kind of wanted to end this on uh, just a little side rant about mobile games because mobile games in general, they kind of get ignored, I think, in the video game community. But there's so many cool mobile games that were developed in the early 2000s that are going to be lost in time because those online systems are now down and people don't have there's not enough tech, um, there's not enough people to work on cell phone game emulation. Because you're not just talking about games like that come like through the Game Boy or through another gaming system. You mean like actual games for pre-smartphones, right? Yeah. And like so many of those, like so many beloved franchises like Sonic, um, I think Mega Man has had a bunch of mobile games. Like there's a lot, there's a wide range of those titles. They are pretty important in video game history and they're going to be lost to time because it's so hard to find and preserve them because basically what people are doing now is buying old phones off of used sites and hoping that games that haven't been preserved are on that cell phone so they can back it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite the gamble. Yeah. And it's, it's quite expensive. It's quite time consuming because each cell phone can be different. So they have to, you know, figure out how to extract data from, a lot of different types of cell phones i know the video game history foundation was i don't know i think they're supporting that effort a little bit so if you have an old phone and you know that it's like chocked full of like awesome you know games from your past maybe consider donating it to somebody who can extract the data if you don't want to have to deal with it it's important folks so yeah i think that basically wraps up our discussion um sorry for the side rant but I hope that you guys enjoyed this topic. It's something that I, I wanted to do for a couple seasons now, and I'm glad that we're finally able to talk about it. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Our intro and outro music was crafted by talented chiptune composer Jamatar. You can find more of his bangin' beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R, on Spotify or visiting Jamatar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, at MemCardShow. Or you can visit our website, MemoryCardShow.com. If you'd like to follow Ben and I, we can be found at SuperBenTendo and at PushDustin, respectively. Have you considered supporting Memory Card on Patreon? If not, we hope you will. Currently, we're supported by quite a few awesome people, 
all of which get access to early, ad-free episodes. These people include Jackson Bertoli, Taylor Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Tyler Davis, Courtney Cotton, Harrison, Jorge Bajija, Manuel Vitella, Ray Schneider, and Shala. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com slash memcard. We'll be back really soon with some more gaming history goodness, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you soon.